This podcast is created and produced by Innovator. If you're looking to cut back or eliminate hot work on your next job, or for all of your industrial services needs, visit innovator.ca. Hello and welcome to the Industrial Innovators Podcast, hosted by founder and CEO of Innovator, Don Cooper. I'm Wyatt McPherson, I produce this show, and today we've got a great show for you all about Innovator's newest wireless connections solution, known as QuickFlange. And on the show, we've got Phil Patterson from ICR, the company that created this technology. It's a very informative and value-filled conversation that I'm sure you will learn lots from. Though, if you want any additional information or have any questions, be sure to visit us at innovator.ca slash quickflange info. Now let's get on with the show. Good day, everyone. This is Don Cooper, and this is the Industrial Innovators Podcast. Today, we have Phil Patterson from ICR Integrity, and we're going to be talking about quick flange wellness connections. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, Don. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, you know, Phil, we've known each other for a bunch of years now, and we've worked together with quick flange uh, off and on for a bunch of those years. Um, for a lot of the listeners, they've never heard of it. They can't fathom uh, what this might be. But what is a what is a wellness connection? Well, basically, Don, what we're looking at is uh, is a, a flange to pipe connection without the need to weld. So we're often a solution where we eliminate all the hot work processes and headaches that, that ultimately any hot work process can cause. So um, it's very quick, efficient, and probably. One of the most important things just now is cost efficient. So, yeah, I mean, right. we can go into some more detail about it for sure. We're going we're gonna to dive deep into quick flans today. But before we do that, uh, let's quickly just talk about the company for a moment. Um, ICR Integrity. Who is, uh, who is ICR and what are, what are you guys all about? Yeah, so, I mean, ICR um, is a company that has grown through acquisition of multiple companies. But... Uh, in short, you know, we're experts in pipeline and structural maintenance. Um, integrity and corrosion and repair solutions is what we really we focus on. Um, and just to give a, an efficient approach to asset integrity management, ultimately. Um, we, we do that by a range of, as I say, different uh, product lines. We have, we kind of split into three different se- segments where it's repair, preserve and reinstate. Um, so the repair side, which is obviously quick finds, which we're going to be talking more about today, but we also have um, corrosion monitoring. Um, so asset integrity monitoring through corrosion elements, chemical injection. Uh, and we now have uh, also another a recent uh, extension to our businesses, some aerial inspection where we, we do drone inspection. So yeah, so we, in essence, you know, we, we try to uh, improve planning, you know, through specialty technical input and bespoke engineering solutions. Um, so ICR work with clients and partners where we kind of demonstrate that applied proven technique kind of combined with new intelligence is, uh, is, is gives cost efficiency and, and value to the clients really. And so ICR has a bunch of proprietary technology. You inspect, you repair and you modify a variety of pressurized systems similar to what we do at Innovator, uh, but you own some proprietary technology. You're uh, based, head office for ICR is based in Aberdeen, right? In Aberdeen, Scotland? So, so absolutely. So our, our center of excellence is deemed out of Aberdeen where we were 
predominantly all our engineering is based, um, but we have some core locations around the world, operations bases. So um, Quick Flange, which is our engineering, is actually still based out of Norway. We have an operations base there. That's uh, Again, I'll go into a bit more detail on the history of Quick Flange. But, um, yeah, we have an operations base in the Middle East, in UAE, um, and we have a, a joint venture there in Australia. And our, uh, we have a, a, an operational base in Houston as well. Right. And then sort of those are hubs. And then the, the spokes from there is that you have a variety of partner companies around the world, like, like our business that, uh, that bring your solutions to the, the local marketplaces where they operate. Right. Absolutely. So we, we've, we, we could, we're very reliant on, on, on partners like of innovator, uh, around the world. So they can, they can absolutely take our product to the market because, you know, you, you can't spread yourself too thin and you've got to rely on, on the uh, knowledge and expertise in certain parts of the world with, with the likes of yourself. So. Right. So we, we've, we started to work together a number of years ago on one of ICR's um, uh, solutions, Quick Flange. Actually, we started working together before uh, Quick Flange was acquired by ICR. So let's talk about Quick Flange because that's what we're going to be talking about wellness connections today and, uh, and the elimination of hot work. So, you know, Let's do a deep dive. What what is Quick Flange? So yeah, I mean, I suppose let's start at the beginning. Uh, the the kind of the evolve of Quick Flange started back in two thousand and three. Um, it was uh, it was a, it's a Norwegian product of origin, um, and 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 the idea came about by um, a, a, a chap that kind of came up with a, an idea, and it was literally. I mean, we've adapted a, a technology that's been around for many many years. Um, and I use boiler tube rolling as the, the kind of technology that's been around for decades or hundreds of years. Um, and what we did is design this technology um, to offer a cold work solution. Now, as I say, this stemmed in 2003, um, and the, one of Norway's uh, major operators actually, we, they approached those the, the operator and they, they saw some real value in this. So they actually aided in the development of the product um, through testing. And, and before you know it, in 2003, 2004, we did our first installation for the, for the client onshore. 2005 was the first offshore installation. And then really from there, the business is predominantly being developed in the offshore markets. Now, Obviously, as you know, the challenges involved in the offshore markets are quite stringent. And and uh, it was in 2008, we actually opened up the UK office. Um, and we've been operating predominantly in the North Sea and um, in the Norwegian sectors, probably for the first kind of six or seven years of our life uh, as quick flies as technology. And I suppose it was really when we kind of partnered up and started working together, I, was, I guess it was back in 2010, 11, I guess, when the discussions and when we started working with yourself. And that was when mm -hmm. we really started pushing it internationally. Um, but it wasn't until probably 2014 before ICR actually brought over Quick Flange as a, as a technology and a company um, that gave us the, the kind of financial support and backing to really push the, the, the business um, around the world. So, so yeah, in essence, we've we've built the bit the business in the offshore market, and we've de we've designed the technology and the size ranges and everything that we go through um, on client demand. Right. 
So let's describe, uh, you talked a little bit about it, orig- you know, it originated from an engineer in Norway who was effectively trying to find some ways to eliminate hot work for the national oil company there in Norway. And, and that, those were the first evolutions and it was actually backed in, in, in a lot of ways by them uh, from a testing standpoint because they wanted to eliminate hot work. So, you know, how does, you know, let, let's just talk about quick flanges, uh, like how it works. What is it? Okay. So, I mean, basically what we have is quick flanges are connected and, and, and to, for, 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 to kind of visualize it is it's similar to a standard slip on flange except for there's a number of circumferential grooves that are on the inner diameter to the, the flange bore. The flange is then slid onto the pipe, which has ultimately has just a straight cut on the pipe. Um, we then use a hydraulic tool, which then applies a, an outward radial force to swage the wall of the pipe into the pre-machine grooves. This creates a metal-to-metal seal, um, giving you a gas, gas-tight joint. Um, so there's no need for elastomers or, or welding. So in essence, what you then have is a connection equivalent to a welded joint without all, as I say, the, the headaches that go along with, with a hot work uh, procedure. So um, from, from a standpoint of safety, you know, it's, you know, it's safe, it's quick. Um, and I mean, we can start going into kind of more of the efficiencies of each connection as you go. But um, it, it, the technology is an off-the-shelf product. It's not a bespoke engineered solution, so it's not something where it's a, a long lead time. It's an off-the-shelf product. So we take a standard weld neck flange and we modify it. So um, by doing, as I said, you know, machine down the neck and having the, the grooves machined into the into the flange, and then we use the hydraulic tool. So this is an off-the-shelf product. So you know, you, as innovator, would ultimately have stock of these flanges on the shelf. Um, we have thousands of flanges, you know, in, in Norway and the UK. So it's a very quick response <laughs> uh, method of repair to, to piping systems. And from uh, just for listeners who are in Canada or in the United States, this complies with ASME code. Um, and in Canada, we've got what's known as a Canadian registration number on a wide variety of these flanges. So they are literally uh, stock designs with CRNs that can be used in a wide variety of, uh, of piping applications to replace welding, replace hot work, uh, and all the safety and, uh, and costs associated with that. Um, let's just talk about... Um, the product range, like, you know, are we talking about, you know, one inch flanges and like what, 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 what kind of coverage can we, can we, we so yeah, this? absolutely. So what you're looking at is you're looking at a one inch range through to, we have the capability of dealing up to 14 inch uh, of pipe work. Um, the common materials are, are carbon steel, stainless 316. And then we can look at duplex, super duplex, the six, six molly. Um, and our, our, our range system ultimately is, covers the pressure class from 150 to 300, but we also have the ability to do higher pressure. So we can do six, nine, 1500 pounds system. So, um, the way the system is designed is that we, um, although we have third party approvals and obviously CRNs being one of them, but 
Um, we also have uh, offshore uh, approvals through DMV, um, GL, and uh, ABS, the American Bureau of Shipping. So um, DMV, is, which is obviously one of the main third-party approval bodies, they actually uh, are the ones that uh, design or sorry, design the test criteria based on ASME's code. So um, necessarily there are, are not really limitations to our range, but our current range as it sits is one to 14 inch. Now, um, the most common materials that we, we use is carbon steel predominantly, as, as you'll probably, you know yourselves, but, um, but we can cover A105 and A350 LF2 flanges. So we're covering the low temp carbon steels as well as your normalized uh, carbon steel but so yeah so one one inch three to 14 inches the range um and then uh 150 300 pound is the most, most common kind of pressure class ratings but other other ratings are you know when i looked at the at the range you kind of cover 150 and 300 across that gamut and then um the the 600s and aboves are kind of uh, you've got a bunch of those qualified and certified, but not the full range. It's as, as customers need, right? So customers absolutely, need absolutely Don, because what, what I need to probably emphasize is that because we have type approvals, um, we still, and, and as you'll probably know, with type approvals, if you test X and you test Y, anything in between is generally covered, but that's not how quick clients test their products. So what we do, is we test every single size schedule of material before it's released for sale. So right. that every single connector ultimately has its own test certificate. So you can actually see what we've qualified that connector to. So as you can imagine, when you go from 150 through to 1500 pound class rating and all those sizes, that is thousands upon thousands of connectors. So um, we very much um, design the product um, based on client demand when it's out with the standard range. So. I class the standard range as 150 to 300, but as you mentioned there, Don, is that we we will absolutely, we've got six 900-pound flanges approved, but if it's not, what we have the ability to do is qualify a connector. So right. as I mentioned earlier in our conversation there is that our engineering team are still based in Norway, and what they do is we've got a full R&D team that do design and testing as and when required. So if a client comes to to Innovator or ICR and say we need a you know a 12 inch 1500 pound connector and it's not qualified, we potentially have the ability to go and do that and do it very quickly um, and efficiently um, for the, for the client should it be required. Right. So let's just talk about the applications that are suitable for quick clients because you know. Is it everything that a client uses piping for, or you know, let's just sort of make sure we're uh, we're covering all the suitable applications, so someone isn't uh, uh, you know listening and expecting we're going to do uh, you know twenty five hundred pounds steam if we can't. Yeah, absolutely, and that's a real valid point because that ultimately can be the limitation is this application range because. Um, that's generally driven by our type approval. So we adhere to our type approval system. So, so if we start with temperature range, we currently max our range out based on 205 degrees Celsius. Mm -hmm. um, um, so, so that is the kind of, that's where our, we, we currently set our, our, our temperature limitation to. But when it comes to the application range of fluids, ultimately it's all utility lines um, and hydrocarbon liquids. Um, 
and we take hydrocarbon gas as an absolute case by case basis because there's lots to be you know there's many variants within hydrocarbon gas so um, yeah. but in order to capture that we actually have um, documentation so we would ask a client to complete an application form up front where they will actually capture all the design criteria and the application they're looking to use it on. So, so our engineering team will quickly review that and approve the connector or, or suggest what connector we use for that application. So, um, I mean, I could, I don't want to sit here and reel out all the applications because there's naturally hundreds of applications that it has been used on uh, and we are, but if we, if we use ceilings of, you know, two, 205 degrees C and utility and hydrocarbon liquids, with hydrocarbon gases as a, as a case by case basis. Right. Perfect. So we're eliminating hot work. We're eliminating welding. We're making it fast. It's got a whole range of uh, approvals from CRNs to DNV uh, and ABS approvals, utility systems, hydrocarbon liquids. I mean, we're talking about, 70% of the piping in a lot of facilities. Um, well, absolutely. So, you know, let's just kind of narrow in and talk about benefits. Like what's the value for clients um, in, in terms of what, what QuickFinds brings to the table? Well, I mean, this, this is a question I, I generally, when we, when we do presentations to clients, this is a question I, I like to open to the forum because this is, this is the question I ask is what challenges do hot work, what the challenges does hot work bring? And, mm -hmm. and usually it's always the same, same ones always come back. You know, it's obviously naturally the safety element. It's the, you know, everything that's involved in the hot work. So if we consider what's involved in the hot work first. So, um, you know, you've got from the engineering phase right through to, you know, the HSE, how many meetings are held, you know, getting the uh, work permits uh, raised for a hot work permit. And then let's look at about the operational standpoint. You've then got, you know, pressurized habitats. You then have Firewatch crews. You've got the NDT. Um, and the, the, the size of the scope then just gets on and on and on, you know, when you talk about a hot work. So if we then say, well, what's involved in a quick flange? Well, ultimately what we're looking at is a, a, a team of potentially two guys and girls to go on site. They can go on and they can cut the pipe. They're going to do the pipe preparation. They're going to do the install. They're actually going to do a localized hydro test, so there is no NDT requirement for a quick launch. Right. So when you think about, you know, um, again, you're talking about maybe another third party that's going to be doing NDT. You're just re removing that footprint on site. So a core crew of, you know, I'm saying two, two people, but let's be realistic. You're probably going to have four or five by the time you have maybe some riggers and and what have you on the site. But you're probably reducing your footprint. And the exposure of, you know, human elements to on-site by, you know, 60%, maybe possibly more, depending on, on clients' uh, process. And that's just, in, that's just in the direct execution of the physical work. You know, exactly. Amount, I'm not even talking. You're, you're eliminating days of, um, of hot work planning and testing and meetings and approvals. I mean, all of that goes away because you're effectively getting a cold work permit from a client to do this kind of work, right? 100%. I mean, I've had, in fact, I, I've had a client even come back to me saying that they took, um, you know, they did a number of engineering meetings where they were scoping in the hot work process. 
Um, there was probably 10 people involved in a, you know, a, a weekly meeting. I mean, it was tens of hundreds of hours of engineering time for them to get to the final phase for, for, for permitting and for HSE to close down a hot work permit. Right. So all those man hours and that engineering hours that were worked up you know, on the back end, this is the kind of lost revenue people don't see is how much work was put into that hot work to be uh, closed out by HSE. So, and then they, then they have to go for alternatives. So what we're trying to say is, listen, we can bring you a solution. Is it going to be suitable for every single one? Absolutely not. But what we probably can do is bring you a solution for 80, 90% of your applications with a cold work solution. So mm -hmm. then we start building up the, you know, the cost savings by reducing engineering time on the back end. Um, and then it's how much you're saving again on the front end with it, with during the operational side side of it. So, so yeah, there's, there's lots and lots of savings. We're recording this on March 26, 2020. And you know, the whole world is in the middle of uh, the COVID-19 crisis and the subsequent crash of um, global oil prices that, you know, has kind of come from that as well. Uh, so many, you know, the combination of those two things and social isolation, uh, isolating has caused uh, energy operators around the world to have to cancel maintenance turnarounds where they might have uh, dozens, hundreds, thousands of workers on site. Um, but they still got to get all that work done. You know, you know, this is an opportunity to take I think to do a couple of things that I see one is you can eliminate all of those meetings and all that hot work uh, planning and turn it into cold work and have a very small footprint. Now you could incorporate this into it and capture lots of type points in the longer need welding and need all of those interactions of different uh, crew types down to a small crew, but you could also, you know, lots of facilities have the ability to isolate small portions of piping. Maybe they can't bring, the, you know, they can't bring the whole facility down when they're on a uh, on a reduced crew with and the inability to bring in large workforces. But you could actually, you know, the way I see it, uh, operators could actually take a lot of their turnaround tie-in scope and move it into out of turnaround scope wherever they can do individual isolations and then eliminate the hot work and do it while the plant is running. So there's, there's a, a couple of really interesting ways for clients to be able to use this in, in the, you know, in, in really capturing this idea of small footprint, lean crew, integrated crew to perform a lot of tie point work. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head about a lot of points there. Where, whereas, you know, they're, they're down manning, whether it be offshore installations, whether it be on the plants, they're down manning as much as possible. So if you can have a, as you say, a single core crew that can come in and do all these multiple tasks, and, and it's almost, uh, sometimes I don't like using the phrase, but a one-stop shop that can literally come in um, and do that full you know, isolation, um, cut, prep, install, test, and you're off-site very quick. So the exposure time is reduced. But, I mean, up until now, I've been predominantly talking about reducing hot work. But sometimes right. that's not always the key. It's maybe yeah. maybe you can do hot work. And you know what? It's actually the time saving because that's where we really can also kick in quite considerably because on average, 
we're about 80% time saving versus a traditional hot work method. So, right. so you're not just talking about reducing time exposure, but you're actually maybe increasing productivity as well um, yeah. during that, that downtime. So if you do need to isolate a line, for example, as you're saying, whilst you're still in production, you can do so much in that short period of time, whether it just be replacing one spool or rep replacing a run of the spool that you can, you can work on. Um, right. The time saving is huge. So increasing that productivity um, during that downtime um, is huge. So, and the thing being is that you might not be, as you said, Don, you might not be working on a hydrocarbon line where hot works is the issue, but you might be working in parallel or adjacent to uh, on a utility line that's actually right next to a, a, a gas line where you just can't do hot work. So, so yeah, there, there is, there's lots of opportunity, but I think sometimes we do get caught up on the hot work. Sometimes it's maybe not, that's maybe not the trigger for a client. Yeah. It is increasing hot work is one, but doing it faster, you know, in today's environment, you know, it's safer. You know, and in today's environment, which, you know, it has another whole, uh, a whole value, or a whole new risk mitigation for clients is social distancing that's going on in the world today and not having to have 10 people involved in that, in that work location uh, and reducing it down, you know, potentially with just some good planning to two people. Right? Absolutely. And, and the other thing that, you know, what we're talking about with the technology of a quick launch is that, I mean, uh, Don, you know, you know, uh, the UK and the environment that we work in is a pretty harsh environment in the North Sea. Now, weather can have a huge factor on, on welding. Now, oh, sure. uh, so, I mean, okay, carbon steel is probably, I mean, any welders that listen to this podcast, um, um, we, we welcome any feedback, but I would say, and I enjoy presenting to welders because usually this is where we have a bit of a debate, but um, when you're talking about a welder working in these different environments, um, it can be very, very challenging. Um, more so when you're working on some of the exotics, the stainlesses and, you know, getting the coat of welders and, and, and what have you. And, that, and, and weather is very much uh, plays a factor in this. What we're talking about with a quick flange tool, a quick flange tool doesn't have a bad day. Yeah. I mean, it's consistent. It doesn't, you know, doesn't it doesn't matter what day. day. It, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't know what day of the week it is. It's, you know, it's, it's standard every single time. So it gives you a very consistent application on every install. Whereas, you know, I, I, hey, we're human beings at the end of the day. Some of us have bad days. And if a welder has a bad day, that can be good. You know, that can be quite costly because, uh, you know, we don't allow for rework when we look at some of our time savings. I mean, how many times does, you know, does a weld need to be, have a rework done? Um, yeah, watch your, watch your cut, you know, watch your cutout rate, uh, on your site for welding. There's no cutout rate with, with, with quick flange because, uh, we don't have, we don't have those issues. I mean, I, I can think of a job and, you know, a lot of clients, <clears throat> you know, when I've talked to them about quick flange, they, you know, they, they instantly want to go to an extreme, Hey, can you go inside my furnace? And I don't want to have to go in there and weld those ink and L tubes. Can you go in and do that? Cause it's going to be, you know, 600 degrees. And, and well, it's a <clears throat> real difficult spot. And I go, well, you know, and they, so they instantly go to where it's really difficult welding. And certainly our applications are there, but you know, there's massive value in 
you know, in pivoting your top welders to go, you know, so that you can use those resources and go into the places that need welding and eliminate all of the things that are more mundane. And then the example that I think of, I was on a turnaround a number of years ago with a, a client here in Alberta, Canada, <clears throat> and they had, they had about 20 carbon steel, two inch utility line uh, tie-ins. Um, they were low pressure condensate and low pressure steam. And we, you know, our business was doing all the cold cutting and all of the, uh, all of the plug isolation and, um, and the hydro testing for them. And, you know, a general contractor was doing the fitting and the welding. The problem that they were having was that system had uh, it, it was two things were going on. One, as the day warmed up, the piping system was heating up and weeping moisture and it was coming back to the weld area and they were having a lot of problems with moisture and getting a weld. And in some of the applications, they were having upstream valves that were just passing enough that was, it was creating a lot of moisture um, right where they were trying to weld and they were getting porosity. And, you know, some of these, you know, like, P1 carbon steel welds, two inch, 150 and 300 pound flanges. They were messing around trying to get these fit up and welded and passed for like two and three shifts because of these issues. And I looked at this application. I said, man, you know, we're already here cutting and, and, and testing this. Like we could, we could be installing, you know, a quick flange every hour, hour and a half and get all of the, all of the, all of these 20 tie points done in a, in a handful of days. And so there's a whole bunch of reasons from a productivity standpoint that, you know, weather might be wind and it might be, it might be moisture, but sometimes it's the piping system itself that is just heating up and they're getting, um, they're getting internal vapor. That's, that's sort of, uh, weeping off the inside of the pipe that's giving them welding issues. Uh, so there's so many places where, where, where we can eliminate those, those pain points. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I call on, and, and this is a job we did, you know, we did with with you guys, and uh, uh, I forget the year, now, 2013, I believe it to be, where we did um, 36 three-inch and 80 flanges on inside the vessel. Yeah, I was, was going to bring that one up. That was an amazing job. I think that was actually, that job was our first quick flange job in Canada. We had a um, an oil sands operator, who had um, three pressure vessels that <clears throat> the, the process stream that, you know, they were some sort of an oil water knockout drum in a SAG D facility. And, you know, they had these internal um, perforated piping systems inside the pressure envelope and they had homemade uh, or manufactured flanges, three inch flanges that were connecting these, these perforated piping systems. And they were all, uh, corroded and eroded and they wanted to replace them with with uh, standardized weld neck flanges. The challenge that they had was um, from just from a weldability standpoint, they needed to cut these flanges off. They were very close to the arc of the inside arc of the vessel. They were concerned with um, the cutting of it. They were, but more importantly, they were concerned with the weldability because if if they put welders in there to weld these 36 flanges, they had a high risk of having arc strikes on the ice ID of the vessel. And that was going to cause a big issue because of post-weld heat treatment and uh, all the things that that would cause. 
But the other part of that job that was really interesting is, you know, they had been planning this job traditionally for, uh, for nine months or so. And they kind of came across us at, at a presentation we did in Fort McMurray. Um, and, you know, they had three weeks planned for this job because in addition to the concerns they had about welding and arc strikes, they had to clean and degas. It was, it was a confined space where they were going to be doing hot work inside of a confined space. Um, and we eliminated all of that. We, it was still confined space work, but now it was cold work inside a confined space. And, you know, when we went in and executed that work, 36 flanges, we cut them all off. We fitted new quick flanges into all 36 locations, 12 in each vessel, three vessels. We did the whole thing in three shifts, 36, 36 hours, and uh, that job was done. And it eliminated, it, it turned that entire job. And that, that was the critical pass, path for the whole turnaround, that three-week project. And we totally eliminated that hot work. Uh, not the hot work. We totally eliminated the, the critical path nature of that scope of work out of that project. It was a really great success story. Yeah, I, I must say I use that as a case that I used all around the world. It's a, it, was a, it was a great example of, uh, of you know, the, the challenges the hot work brought for sure. Let's, uh, let's dive in a little bit and talk about, you know, you know, because this is, you know, it, it, it takes a little bit of a mind bend for, for people to understand how you, how you can take a, a flange and a piece of pipe that are always in millions and millions of applications welded together. And that's how everyone thinks about a, a, a flange and a piece of pipe. Um, and now it's non-welded and, you know, and how can that be, um, deemed um, safe and useful. So <clears throat> let's just talk about the kinds of testing that you guys go through um, when you were developing uh, quick flange and how you proof test them now going forward. I mean, let's just walk through all that because we want to just, you know, help everyone get past, you know, anything that they might be concerned about. Yeah. I, I mean, as I say, so, yeah, so just kind of going back a few stages where we were talking, I mentioned earlier that so we test every single size schedule material. So all the test criteria is, is taken by ASME's, the, kind of the code, ASME's code, and, and DMV can interpretate code, and we test in accordance to that. Now, before we even got to the stage of testing, connect, you know, the individual connectors, we, we, you know, we do FEA analysis on, on new connectors when we looked at design. Um, we have done uh, accelerated corrosion tests. We do bend and vibration and fatigue testing. So these are tests that we did as pre-concept of the technology. But every single connector themselves go through a standardized mechanical test. So we do bend and torsion. So we do that full bend and torsion. And the values, as I say, are, are taken by, by uh, DMV and the as we call we then um, do actual load testing. So we do pull testing on all our connectors. And, and then in most cases, we will always pull to failure. So you can see what the failure rate of that connector is. Um, but again, when we move into more hydrocarbon applications, we then do UG 101 burst testing. So we do full burst testing of our connectors as well. Um, and as I say, we, we are 100% transparent with all our test criteria. So for any, you know, anybody listening, anybody, any clients want to any of the test data, we're happy to share that. And um, 
as I say, if you want to see some of the values that we've tested it to, that, that's also always available. And in, in uh, Canada, when we did our, our proof testing for, to get our CRNs, uh, our UG 101 testing, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but when I, I recall we did this and we did the burst tests, in, all, in most, if not all cases, the burst of failure was the piping failing, not the flange every single time so the pipe is always going to be the weakest component of the of the joint so the pipe will always give up before the joint does so if you can think back to when we talked about how it works so basically we we slide the flange onto the pipe and, and we actually swage the pipe into these pre-machined grooves and we've machined into the into the flange under a pressure situation the, the pipe is always getting, you know, and I'm exaggerating here, of course, but the pipe is pushing, pushing out on the flange. So, you you know, you've always got what we call this permanent energized seal anyway, even whether there's pressurized or not. But um, but during a burst test, yeah, all you'll literally see in, 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 in some of our uh, photos that we, we hold, you can see the swelling around the, the neck of the flange where the, the pipe is the swelling on the pipe. And then it let, lets go in the middle. So as I say, the right. pipe is always the weakest component of, of the joint every single time. But, you know, we've done fire testing. When you see, <clears throat> if you think about right, fire testing, um, you know, we've done very, very specific client testing, you know, for, that have asked us to do because they wanted to use it on a particular system. We had one client who wanted to use it on a fire header system. Um, so they wanted to check on the fire situation, how would a quick flange react. And so we... There isn't a, a fire test uh, for flanges. As, as we all know, flanges are not fire safe. But um, so the nearest test we could get was an API 6FA valve fire test. So right. where we subjected the connector to a naked flame uh, for 30 minutes. So it was subjected to like 750 degrees Celsius uh, for, for 30 minutes uh, whilst the spool was under pressure, about 20 bar of pressure. Um, with no failure. So we did that on both carbon steel and we also did on cunifer, which is cunifer is 9010. It's, uh, right. it's our softness material. So these were the two materials that they're likely were going to be using on the fire header system. So, so yeah, we've done very unique testing. We've done cryogenic testing on stainless steel 316 to, to minus 100 degrees Celsius. You know? So um, we've done nice sour service testing to the connector. So, you know, we, we, We've done a lot of lot of kind of um, uh, tests uh, out with what it would be deemed as required for the connectors, but you know we've done very specific testing for FPSOs so under severe bending moment. Um, mm -hmm. um, but what you'll find, I mean, I was I, I'm never scared to talk about failure rates and what would happen under a failure mechanism with a you know with connectors because sometimes you know people may be scared to talk about this, but I, I think it's important. Under a failure mechanism with a quick flange, what what would what would happen? Well, you'd never have a catastrophic failure with a with a quick flange, um, because of the, the the style of the connection, uh, whether it be through you know actual bend and uh, torsion or if it was an actual load, it, it will never come off the pipe. It won't get ripped off the pipe. And we've subjected some of our connector to over a hundred tons of pull with uh, without failure but the ones that do have failure when we do do the actual load to failure all you do is get a a, a wheat from the neck of the flange so you never have you wouldn't have this catastrophic failure you know that you would potentially with a bursting pipe so um there's a huge amount of safety factors built into the connectors too so when we do 
um, supply or offer a connector for a particular application, you know there's a lot of safety factors built into that. Right. So now, <clears throat> here's another thing people are going to want to know. <clears throat> you know, is this temporary? Is this, you know, I'm going to use a quick flange because I, I need to get a tie point for three months and then I'm going to do, I'm going to do well later? Yeah, and, and you know what, that's exactly what some people, when they look at a mechanical connector, they'll think temporary. This is absolutely not. This is designed and approved as a permanent connection. So this is this connection that is intended to replace your traditional hot work. So this is absolutely 100% permanent connection. Right. So it totally replaces a welded joint. It's not 100%. like a payment device you know, in Canada. We have CRNs and policies in place for for uh, leak containment devices that have a two-year uh, life and the customer has to uh, you know, have a plan to mitigate and replace that in kind at some point. Quick flange is not that way and neither are our CRNs. This is a permanent tie point, uh, complete it, and then it is part of your asset. 100%, it becomes that intended, you know, welded flange that you, you would have traditionally used. So absolutely, it is, this is now permanent connection. And what about end users? Can they, you know, you know obviously um, Quick Flange and Innovator come and uh, we do these tie-ins for people. Uh, we supply all the, everything from the cutting and the testing to the flanges to the technicians and the installation equipment. Uh, but can end users do this kind of work themselves? Absolutely. So, you know, this is, you know, in this, in the industries that we work in, absolutely, we need to be flexible. So, um, and especially in, in scenarios we're in right now that, you know, we need to be able to train um, end users to be able to do this. So the core crews. So we have a very specific training regime that we have so we can train technicians to do the installation of quick lunches. Um of course, I mean, every operator, you know, works differently and have their own ways they want to work. Um, in many cases, it will be, you know, they want a core crew to come in and do the full scope of work. Um, uh, but, yeah, training is absolutely available, and um, and, and we're happy to do that to, to specific. We look predominantly for mechanical fitters, um, you know, pipe fitters, mechanical kind of trades to, to do this. Um, but again, the system is very simplistic. It's very procedural. So as long as you know, we, we go through the they go through the full training. Um, now it's a one day training course, and it will qualify them up to do up to twelve uh, sorry eight inch installs. Um, and then after they get some history and a bit of kind of background and, and and get some application history on it, we can look to extend that to to the larger sizes. So we call it a, an advanced course to do ten and twelve inch. Right. And um, this course, if we, we train our clients to, to do installations, uh, how often do they need to get recertified? So the standard course will certify them for 12 months. Now, um, in order to, to kind of protect the client, the end user, the technician, uh, and um, both innovator and ICR, what that technician needs to do is a minimum of three installs per year. Uh, and part of that installation process, there's, they need to do a six inch install or above within, within that three in the first yep. 12 months. Now, if they do that and they supply all the documentation because we have some uh, QA and QC documentation that they need to, to 
um, complete and, and return for each of their installations. Um, we uh, we use that as training records and uh, and we evaluate that and then we'll look to extend them for a further twelve months. So they right. so physically only for... need to do. A f- sorry, say again, Don. Yeah, sorry, we're getting a little bit uh, choppy there. We're you know what you're basically doing is is looking for continuity of work and evidence that they have been using the certification from a competency standpoint with a documentation trail, um, so that they can maintain their certification as long as they're using it effectively. Right. Absolutely. So, so just, just, and, and part of that, so every single quick flange that we sell around the world is uniquely serial numbered. Right. So no, no matter where we sell a quick flange around the world, we know exactly where it's going to be installed and who it's going to be installed by. So we have a particular document. It's called a job verification document that the technicians complete. This is all mm-hmm. part of the training course, but this is the documentation we use to assess their competence, not competency is probably the wrong word, but how we evaluate their, their installations and how many they've done. But as I say, it means it's an accountability and traceability form. So as every single quick lines has this unique serial number, so if a client came back to us in you know, two, three, ten years' time and said, can you tell me where and how many quick flanches have we installed and who installed them, we actually have the ability to give them a full list of those and where they are within their plant. Right. I mean, what you're talking about with the job verification uh, form is it's part of the, uh, the inspection and test plan and documentation package that the client will be using to complete that job anyway. They're going to have all the designs in that package, <clears throat> the CRNs, the MTRs, the, uh, the technician certifications, and the uh, job verification form. And then, of course, you're maintaining those records as well as the client, but you keep a database of, um, and I think that's an important point. You keep a database of every single installation that's ever been done. Correct. Anyway. And then as I say, and we can tie that back to the training as well of the individual. Right. Uh, I, we haven't talked about this in a while, but I think when we first started working with quick flange many years ago, I think we had 3,000-ish installations done back then. Um, how, you know, do you have any idea do you, off the top of your head how many you've done to now? We've done over 10,000 installs around the world now. Um, and just, 10, um, it, it, yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, I would need to try and I can probably get exact numbers because of through our records. But yeah, it's, uh, it's as we've grown internationally, but you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's grown arm and legs. It's been, it's been phenomenal. Perfect. So that's cool. I, 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 we hadn't mentioned, you know, we talked yesterday on a different call and, and I hadn't gotten an update on where, where installations uh, were at, but uh, over 10,000 installations. And, um, you know, we, we talked earlier about failures and I know this story, but I think it's good for uh, our audience. Over 10,000 installations. Has a quick plunge ever failed? Um, our failure rate, I and mean, this is what I said earlier, I'm never scared to talk about it because I guess we've got a, a fairly a healthy, sorry, I just lost my screen there. Um, we've got a 0.02% failure rate, right? And I mean, and do we want to talk about failures? 0.02 on 10,000. So what's that? 
is that two is that two times you've had an issue? So right, pretty much. But have we had post installation failures? One hundred percent, we have. So that's why we do, and when we do our inspection process after post installation, there's a visual inspection, and then there's a hydro test. Now right. we didn't really talk, go into too much detail about what we do after we've installed the quick plunge, but that's we, be my next we question. <laughs> recommend. <laughs> so we recommend every time you do a standardized hydro test. So because we're saying we're eliminating an NDT uh, on yep. a joint, well, how do you test a quick plunge? Well, that's simply done by a localized hydro test. Now you don't right. have to hydro test the whole system or the whole line. Um, we would use one of your, you know, you'd use one of your standard uh, plugs to do a one localized standard flange test, test on the quick flange joint. Exactly. So, um, and that, by the way, just to, to mention that that test pressure that we take that to is dictated by the client, not a, and not you know innovator or, or ICR. It's right. uh, that's the client's test pressures that we test them to. So um, I guess usually 1.5 times. Uh, operating whatever but um it's at that point if you're going to have a failure of a quick plunge that's at that point you're going to have it now why would you have a failure well most cases it's it is back to that you know the human error element is because either the technician hasn't taken the pump to the correct pressure or they haven't prepped the pipe correctly right now uh, up until now, I mean, I'm, I'm, again, I'm, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. I, I, I know of one installation where we've had a pipe that wasn't cut square because we look for a square cut on the end of the pipe. We had yep. one failure where, where the pipe wasn't cut square and it missed the first groove, mm -hmm. which is the metal-to-metal -metal seal. It was picked up during the hydro test. The simple fact there is we just chop it off and we apply a new flange. Right. Um, a lot of the cases might be that we've had, uh, and I say a lot because we've not had that many, but um, it's probably where the technician hasn't taken the pump to the right pressure during the activation. Right. That's a very simple rectification. You reinsert the tool, reactivate it to the required pressure, and off you go. You're good to go. So and Many years ago, again, I remember um, the one, the one uh, hydro test uh, failure um, that I knew about. Because uh, I think, in, you know, when, when we were at 3,000 installations, there was one, uh, one failure that, that, I, that I was familiar with. And it was, um, it was on an offshore platform. There was a problem, you know, we were using an air over hydraulic pump to activate the, uh, the quick planch tool. And the technician or the, 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 the utility air was really poorly performing and they were struggling to get the hydraulic pump up to the, uh, the set uh, hydraulic activation pressure. And uh, they, they got it to 80% of, of the 70 or 80% of the hydraulic pressure. And the technician made a human error judgment call that, yeah, that'll be enough. But, uh, and it wasn't because when they, uh, when they picked it, but, but again, they picked it up on the hydro test. And I think that's an important thing. Your failure rate we're not talking about joints failing in service. We're talking about of 10,000 installations, you've had a 0.02% failure rate based on the hydro test picking it up. Exactly that. So it's part of our process and procedure. So we, we monitor that. Um, and as I say, once you've done your hydro test, once it's, it's held and it's passed the hydro test, that connection is good to go. That connection is not going to give up. That's it. It's, right. it's, it's perfect. And, and the questions we've had is, 
well, can we x-ray the joint? Can we? And the questions and answer to that question is, yes, you can. You absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you can x-ray a quick flange joint, and it will show you the, the deformation of the pipe within the grooves of the flange. It just won't give you a strength test, and that's what your hydro test is giving you, that strength test. Right. So we talked about how to hydro test. Now, you know, almost every listener who is going to care about a quick flange is, is are people who are familiar with piping and flanges. So, you know, the way we're testing a quick flange is using a standard plug, a hydro testing plug, a flange tester that they would be the same tool that they would be using to hydro test a well, right? Correct. Exactly that. From a hydro testing procedural standpoint, nothing changes. We're hydro testing. We're hydro testing a joint. It just happens to be a metal on metal joint as opposed to a welded joint. That's right. Correct. All right. So let's talk about the tools. You know, customers are going to want to. Know, hey, can I? You know, can I buy these? Can I rent these? You know, how do you know? Can I buy quick flange tools? That's a question I get asked many times. Um, and and the simple answer is no. No, we don't. We don't sell the tools, and 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 there there is a there's a rationale behind that, and uh, and it's simply that um, we all know that when we sell equipment and when it goes out in the field, and, and I'm certainly not tarring everyone with the same brush here, but it ultimately, you know, when equipment goes out and when somebody doesn't, you know, they own it, they it goes out on a platform, it goes on site, it gets opened up, and it gets left. Uh, right. It gets corroded and and things don't work. Well, guess what happens when it, when a tool doesn't work? It's a quick flange has failed. So right. we can't affect yeah, it's, that. It's, it's affect a, this is a quality. This is not a commercial issue. This is a quality assurance no. uh, condition. One hundred percent. So no. So the way we eliminate that is a quick flange tool needs uh, needs maintenance. It needs to be calibrated, you know, from the gauges, from the pumps, which we all do, and we supply certification for that. So uh, in a lot of cases, a lot of clients do then accept, well, you know, we don't want the headache of having to calibrate all the equipment and do all the maintenance procedures and what have you. Right. A, a quick flange tool is very simple. I mean, it is a hydraulic cylinder with a push-pull mechanism with some moving components. But if those moving components and everything isn't serviced and greased correctly, then you're not going to get the connection you need. So we just take that element and risk away from the operator and the end user. Uh, and, and to do that, we do it on a rental basis. So the right. equipment that we do on it is on a rental basis. Um, and, you know, it, you know, they don't have to worry about CapEx and all this kind of stuff, you know. So we, um, we just rent the equipment. We sell the flanges. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we either – you know, hire manpower to do the installs or, or they just train their guys to do it. So it's quite a simple business model. And when we're talking about on-site jobs, you're talking you're on and off-site so quick, you know, I mean, with a larger or small scope, um, there's not math, there isn't huge benefits to owning the equipment anyway. Right. But if, you know, clients have a lot of regular applications and, you know, you know, for like, as an example, if you're a, if you're a refinery and you're in this, you know, you know, driving distance from one of our facilities, it just makes sense to call us out for the day and do that. If you're in a remote location where it's like maybe a fly-in sort of an application or there's some logistical issues similar to offshore, then clients can actually do long-term rentals from you that, and work out a maintenance schedule for that as well, right? 
Yeah, so you kind of just uh, beat me to it. You're absolutely right. So that's exactly what we promote, and we have we have clients that actually do that. So we're um, they are have very high use and, and and steady use and 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 or in remote locations. We actually do long term hire. So it's almost like a lease deal. So you you lease the equipment for you know anything from twelve months to sixty month period or however long. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it sits on site or, or, or it sits in a facility and we still mobilize it, we still maintain it and mobilize it, or we train the operators to maintain the equipment. And then we'll come out every quarter or wherever and do a, a, an overhaul maintenance on the equipment and, and make sure or do rotational of equipment just to keep it going. So yeah, long-term hires, even short-term. So if you have a shutdown or a turnaround that might be you know three months, or six month period of maintenance campaigns, we can always also look to do that as well. So right. rather than having to invest in procuring equipment for, for six months, we can just set up a, a lease deal um, for three, six, 12 months, whatever. So we can do short term rentals or long term. So we're very, very flexible on that. So, you know, clients can, depending on what their number of tie points are and their particular circumstances, we can come and do the tie points for them. We can give them a short-term rental and provide them the flanges. And obviously when we sell them a flange, we're giving them the procedures. We can train their people. We can recertify their people. If it's a long, if it's a more remote job or a high use case, we can work through either medium or long-term uh, effectively like a lease, right? Exactly that. Right. All right, let's pivot a little bit now. You know, what I always think about quick flange is it, it takes a bit of a paradigm shift. You know, people need to all of a sudden, they're introduced with a new technology that is that totally kind of upends the way that they're used to doing piping and they need to think differently and they need to, you know, consider uh, asking themselves different questions around how they do work uh, because this innovation and in technology kind of upends the the traditional approach. So let's talk a little bit about what customers should be asking themselves, uh, and, you know, and I maybe and maybe should be asking us, but maybe aren't. Um, you know, let's talk about comparing quick flange to welding. Like, what are the benefit? You know, what benefits does quick flange offer against welding? Well, I guess we've probably we've probably covered all of those, but it, it, over the period of this the, our discussions. But I guess what um, what clients? I mean, everybody. I mean, human nature is you always. This is the way we've always done it. So this is what we're going to do, um, and it is just changing the mindset and and changing that mindset to say, well, what are the challenges I'm facing? And usually, as we say, it's always the same things that come up every time. So in order mm-hmm. to do a hot work, what's the challenge? What's the time that, that, that that's causing? But it's looking at the indirect cost. That So the question I get asked is, you know, what's the cost comparison versus a hot work? And I say, well, right. let me throw that back to you. How much is a weld? How much does it cost you to weld? And, and, and most, you know, contractors or operators will say to me, well, you know, a welder is, and I mean, I don't know what they're charging kind of, but a welder's a hundred dollars an hour, and it'll take them three hours to do the weld, and or four hours to do the weld. And you're like, okay, that's fair. So you're telling me the weld is going to cost you three hundred dollars plus the connector. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's going to cost. And you're like, well, okay. So now let's 
now, now let's just revisit this and then look at the whole job. So how much is your habitat, you know, and how long did it take you to, to set up the habitat? You've got a firewatch crew, but let's put that aside. How much engineering time did you put into the hot work permit and process to get that done? So these are the questions that operators need to start thinking about, you know, and, and it's worth considering is that, you know, what can we do to save time, costs, and, and something that we're always driven now is safety. So what is the safer option? I mean, I know but safety is number one everywhere we go is yep. can we do the job safer well the answer to that now is yes you can do that job safer instead of doing a hot work you, you really need to consider doing a quick punch because number one safety and you're going to reducing human exposure um, and then yeah of course the added benefit is you're going to do it safer but you're also going to do it cheaper uh, or yeah. more cost efficient let's call it so um, whether that be one flange or you're going to do a hundred flanges in, in, in a scope of work, it doesn't matter. You're doing it safer every single time. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, when people ask me, what's the cost, <clears throat> you really got to reframe it in that, <clears throat> uh, you know, cause you know, if, if, if the true cost of a weld is, is the, is the pipe fitter, the welding machine, um, the, uh, the helper, you know, maybe it's a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars to for the direct at the work face cost while they're burning rod, um, but that's not really the cost of any weld. Um, the, the the real cost of the weld is everything that went up to getting it to that point. You know, you know, you know. I've been in many hot work meetings where uh, there's six, eight, ten people in the room from operations and safety and firewatch and the contractor and the project management team specifically to talk about hot work for, you know, sometimes hours. And so you have 10 people in the room for a half a day and they have two or three of these kinds of conversations. You know, just those hot work meetings are literally tens of thousands of dollars. Um, so, you know, we eliminate all that. And that's what, you know, from the value proposition, just from a cost standpoint, when someone asks me about cost, we really got to make sure that we're talking about eliminating all of the costs associated with that. The other thing that I think the customers need to think about is the minute we eliminate hot work and we eliminate all of that prep and it turns it into cold, how much more work could I get done doing it with a quick flange. I mean, I, I think the productivity is now I might be able to get, you know, 10 of those joints done a week, as opposed to the one that we've been planning for the last, uh, for the last two weeks. Um, those are, those are pretty, you know, important new ways of thinking now that you've got a new technology that totally effectively eliminates the need for all that. Um, I guess just we... one other thing to add to that, sorry, Don, is, 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 the, is the supply chain side of things because, um, you know, every, all operators in, our, in Canada, I'm guessing, is no different to any, any other part of the world, but every operator is trying to reduce the amount of vendors and suppliers. And um, so, you know, when you, again, back to the hot work, you've got multiple uh, skill sets and trades that are involved in the hot work, whether it is the supply of habitats oh, yeah. and you know, welders might be core crew and NDT specialists and everything else. What we're saying is actually one PO and you've got everything to do a quick flange and that's from uh, cold cut to prep to install to hydro test and bolt back up. 
there's one PO right. one core crew of people. So yeah, it's, it's not it just is, the engineering. It truly yeah, is a, a turnkey tie point, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, and, and you know, if you're offering, you can offer that service, and as the client thinking of the procurement team and and one of you, that this is also a key feature that I think they can help them out. Well, Phil, you know, we've talked about how it's tested, the sizes, the pressures, the safety, the costs. You know, what other, what else do you think the audience should know about Quick Plans? I mean, I think we probably covered most aspects. I mean, at the end of the day, what I would suggest is get the first one installed. The, you know, seeing is believing. And I think you need to actually just get one done. I mean, that's the proof. I mean, Don, you've seen what we do in, in presentations and doing just the one-inch demo in a presentation, the impact that has. It, that impact is tenfold when you actually do the job on site with a quick plunge. Just get the first exposure give you know the first one the opportunity uh, and and then we take it from there um we've been around for 16 years um so you know any operator that hasn't yet um used a quick flange be rest assured you're not the first going to be the first person you're not the first one over the trenches you're probably never going to give us an, an application that we haven't already been asked to use so you know we've got a 16 years of history behind us um let us come in. Let's get, let's get that first job done. And then, then we take it from there. Um, but you know, what's really important for, for me and, and I'm, I am the first to say, you know, I am, I'm a sales guy at the end of the day, but I am also, I will be the first person to decline a job if we don't deem it fit. So I'm not sitting here and telling you, Don, you know, this is the, the, the be all and end all. And, you know, we're here to replace welding. We're absolutely not. But what we are here to do is offer an alternative to what is creating a headache, um, safety issues that you're already having to work through. It's a, just an alternative to, to what you're doing. And, and, and just, you know, think about the alternative really is what I'm saying. Yeah. For all the welders that might be listening and go, Oh, you're going to take our work. Look, this is not, this is just another tool in your toolbox. We can train welders to do this no different than you are learning different welding procedures and you're now learning how to use an automatic welder and you learn stick and you learn TIG and you learn MIG. This is just another way of connecting flanges to pipe and it gives you more options and we can train your welders to do this or we can train your fitters to do this or we can come and do it. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that you said that really kind of struck with me was the, you know, get the first one done. Because every time we've done a quick flange, it's taken, you know, a whole bunch of conversations and a whole bunch of meetings with any operator anywhere for them to do the first one. And the minute that we do the first job, they all of a sudden have 10 more they want to do. And you start hearing things like, oh, man, I wish we'd been doing this earlier. I wish we'd been, I wish we would have taken advantage of this earlier. And I, I look at them and say, I've been talking to you about this for three years, <laughs> right? So, you know, I think, you know, you know, find that first application and, you know, and if you want to, you know, take a low pressure condensate carbon steel line as your first application, to, you know, because you deem it the lowest risk type of process line, fine. But even then we're going to, 
drive productivity and safety and performance over how you're traditionally doing, even when it's simply just a, a low pressure condensate line in or a utility water line for that matter um, in inside of your facility. But you know what I always find interesting is is the first installation at any facility is almost like a theater production because you, um, while we're doing that installation, uh, the work area is just got a huge audience. You know, the, the, the plant engineers and the maintenance people and the plant manager are, are all gathered around uh, while we're doing a live installation um, and uh, they just want to see it. And, and it's um, surprisingly underwhelming because uh, much like um, much like when we do live uh, presentations, you know, the activation takes a couple of minutes, right? I mean, uh, when we do a live presentation and we've had, we've had clients help us with a one inch, one inch uh, quick flange installation at a presentation. And by my count, the, you know, when you activate the tool, it's 34 seconds or something like that to get it up to pressure and, you know, you're done. And that's really why it's called a quick flange. Um, so very, very, very quick. So there's, you know, the prep work and everything else takes some time. You might, you know, between cutting it and, uh, and doing a little bit of uh, surface prep uh, with some emery cloth um, and markings on the pipe might take you a half an hour to an hour, maybe an hour and a half, depending on the size. But once you go to hydraulically activate it, it's anywhere from 30 seconds to five minutes, maybe. Yeah, I think our biggest size possibly takes eight to 10 minutes maximum right. to, 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 to install. So yeah, it's like yeah. a fraction very, of the time. So. Very, very quick. So Phil, uh, any closing thoughts? No, I, do you Did know what? I thoroughly, enjoy, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think, you know, I look forward to, uh, to getting the first jobs. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. And then any questions that come in by, you know, fire them, fire my way. And I'll, I'll be happy to, uh, just, to speak to Henry or answer any other questions, but um, looking so forward in, to, uh, to getting some jobs done. So in Canada, uh, Innovator uh, takes care of everything uh, for quick flange onshore, coast to coast. Um, and then uh, ICR has offices in Houston. You're, you've got uh, other offices around the world. You're in uh, you've got partners around the world. And, you know, this is a podcast that is available to every single person on the planet. And we're going to get this podcast out while everyone's on lockdown around the world with COVID-19. And uh, hopefully they'll have a, a, an hour to uh, sit and listen. And, uh, but, you know, for all of, those, um, all of those listeners all over the world who want to do a quick flange outside of uh, calling innovator in Canada. Um, how do they get a hold of you? What's your website yeah. and uh, how do they reach out? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, by all means, I mean, thanks for that. Don. Just give me a shout. My, my email, my personal, my email address is, is phil.patterson and that's Phil with one L and Patterson with one T at ICR world.com. And you can also visit our website on um, www.icr-world.com. And if they Google Quick Flange, I'm sure they're going to find you as well. Well, hey, if they Google Quick Flange, I've been Quick Flange for uh, coming up for 11 years. So I hope they can find me. 
I'm just looking forward to this lockdown being removed so I can start traveling again and going and visiting the clients. Well, in the meantime, fortunately, we have uh, we have technology that we can uh, be on all parts of the world and talk. So, you know, while uh, while we're all going through this crisis, um, you can jump on a uh, Zoom call, a video call with uh, us here at Innovator. You can get on a conference call or a video call with uh, – Phil and his team for other parts of the world. And uh, I think what we'll also do uh, for our audience um, is likely offer um, a, a webinar style presentation in the coming weeks. After this episode airs, we'll, uh, we'll uh, look to the audience and say, hey, you know, would you like a, uh, would you like a webinar where we give you a presentation where we can show you some videos? Maybe we can even uh, set up a camera uh, and uh, give them a live demo of a, of a one inch activation. You probably have a quick flange uh, Pelican case uh, near, near where you're sitting right now, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. So uh, we'll, we'll call that a wrap. We can, you can get Phil uh, at phil.patterson at icr-world.com. Google quick flange. You can find uh, us uh, at, www.innovatorind.com and uh you know we're on linkedin and uh you can uh you, you know if you need a if you need to eliminate a weld and you want to uh try uh, a quick anywhere in the world you can find us and uh you can always reach out right here on the industrial innovators podcast so phil thanks very much and I really enjoyed our Thank conversation you. today, and let's look forward to uh, doing a couple more of these to talk about other things that uh, ICR has going on, and uh, we'll also plan to do uh, a presentation webinar for our audience in the, in the, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, Don. Thank you very much, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. And there you have it. We truly do hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Industrial Innovators Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode, and please leave us a like slash rating. It really does help us a lot. For more information or to get in touch with either of our guests, you can always find Don at innovator.ca, and Phil, along with ICR, can be found at icr-world.com. Thanks so much for listening again, and we will see you next time on the Industrial Innovators Podcast.